0: And Black people, right? And so right. you would think that we would have stellar music programs, stellar cinematography programs, stellar yeah. chemistry programs, you know, like these things, because a lot of things that we do in science was discovered and created by Black people, you know? Oh and God. it's like, well, dang, we don't have anything, like any, any spaces in our institutions to really educate our students to be able to carry out this legacy. And For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at com slash socks.
1: Good, everybody. What's good, everybody? Uh, this is Conversations for the Culture. Uh, we're back again. I'm super excited about today. Um, y'all going to learn today, y'all. Y'all going to learn today, get some education. Um, we have alien Treadwell here. Welcome hey, to y'all. the show. How you feeling today? I am good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I see your background and looks like you're at work. You got, you know, your lab coat on and everything. Uh yeah, love yeah. to see it. Love to see it. How All are right, you? So I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Just, you know, working, working, making trying to uh trying to blow this podcast up. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's real. So um, okay, before we start, one thing that we do on the show, we always do some like, you know, some icebreakers. Um yeah, I do an icebreaker with the uh with the uh, guests, just try to, you know, get everything going. So we're gonna start with you. This is a game that we call Black Card Revoke. So, oh, shoot. I hope I keep my black card today. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this is called Black Card uh, black card Revoke. And basically what you do, um, you tell me something that you would think would get your black card revoked. Um, I'll give you a couple of examples that people have had on the show before. Um, one of my friends came on and she disclosed that she doesn't eat hot sauce, but she eats ketchup on her fried chicken. Um that's very different. Um very different. different. (laughs) (laughs) There's somebody else who came on and disclosed that they don't like preach cobbler. Um we've had people um by people me who don't know how to do the electric slide. Um Mm -hmm. what else has there been? There's been some good ones. Oh, people who haven't seen certain movies like um what was it? Poetic Justice. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, wow. yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so that's a little backdrop of Black Card revoked. So uh-huh. what I am going to do with you is I'm going to ask you, what is it that would get your Black Card revoked? Wow. Oh, man.
0: Let me think. I was trying to think of it before you, um, right. you know, before we got to this point. But I'm like, OK, I, I don't like okra ochre is gross to me it's slimy very uh,
1: slimy i see. think that's a southern thing though
0: yeah 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 a lot of people are from the south though but okay uh, dang oh i'm scared to say this one Uh-oh. i'm really scared because i feel like <laughs> black people will like hunt you down but um i don't play spades that well <laughs> no, that's it
2: <laughs> I, I can
0: play. I know. I get the the logistics, but I am so intimidated to play like with your drunk uncle because, like, I was like, they slam cards down and like, they slam cards, and it's like. I'm just like, hey, I have an ace of so spades. I I didn't cut my player.
1: You know, like... That is one of the... Yeah, <laughs> I agree with you. Um, I love spades, but at the same time, spades is definitely an intimidating game in Black culture.
0: I agree. I think um, that it should be in the uh, Olympics. It, mean,
1: should it should be. Too. It definitely agree should be.
0: I was when he said it should be in the Olympics.
1: Because if you cut your partner, don't renege. Like, if don't you renege, renege. like... Oh. you're done you're done you'll never like that was like and that's always been my um driving force in spades i never want to be the family member that no one wants to be their partner
0: yes yes it's so <laughs> intense like man you gotta be ready and you gotta know because they put like all kind of pressure like do you know how to play are you yep. sure because <laughs> if you mess this up i, I have the you know title of champion in this and
1: yeah he, he, he
0: moves. it's like okay never mind i just won't play
1: i learned from <laughs> my uncle i was like 13 and um i played with him and like his friends and they was drinking yeah. and everything and like when i tell you he was so angry when i remade he said oh. i thought you didn't have no hearts and i was like oh. i said i don't i don't know how to yeah, it was bad. He still talks about it to this day.
0: Yeah, they don't let you live down those moments. Like yep. those moments you can never live down. Like yeah.
1: never. It's crazy. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. All right, culture holics. Let us know. Let us know. Um, if you don't know how to play spades, does that <laughs> get your black card revoked? Let us know. I just think it. that we need to like have
0: like because I don't know how to French braid. Like, okay. I'm pretty sure that that'll get my black girl card revoked for sure. Oh, so because, there's a black girl card as yeah, well. Yeah, for sure. Because I, I I just don't, I, I can I understand it, but I don't know how to quite do it. And so, you know, I think that for, for black girls, that's very important. That's a crucial thing because, like, you never know when you got to fight. You got to braid your hair up real quick or, you know, if you need in between, you got to do whatever to, you know, like hold yourself down for your hairstyle. So being able to, like, do your hair is important. And I just I would rather pay a professional.
1: I love it. I love it. All right. So since you did talk about um, that's a perfect transition, since you did talk about, you know, being a black girl and everything growing up. So now you we know that you are in STEM. Uh, You're mm-hmm. a chemist, correct? For sure. Okay. Um, Growing up, is that something that you were interested in? Talk to me about that. Like what type of student you were? um, What really got you into this field? Because it's really not a field that a lot of us get into. For sure.
0: So um, basically, um, my passion for chemistry started when i uh, was in high school so i had a high school teacher i was taking a cosmetology course right and again i don't mm-hmm. want to do hair but i could do facials i could do nails like that was my jam but like hair, i just could not get with but i was more curious about the science behind the products that we were using and like how does this stuff work and so when i became a sophomore i had took chemistry and i like the first day my 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 teacher His name was Mr. Wawa, too. He was like, "Um, we're going to take this test and see like where you all fall in chemistry. And so I took the test and I think I scored like a perfect score, something like a really, really crazy high score. And he was like, listen, you are trying to blend in with the rest of these kids. You're actually really, really smart. And I think that you should pursue a um, Career in chemistry? Like, have you ever considered that? And I and like I grew up in the ghetto. Like, I went to school in the Gardens. Um, I went to Carver, and so the likelihood of us graduating from high school was very slim.
1: What high school did
0: you go to? Carver.
1: You said Carver. Okay.
0: Yeah. So the likelihood of us going to college was even slimmer. You know. So we wasn't prepared for college. We wasn't prepared for. Um, life at the high school. And so my chemistry teacher was like, listen, I'm a, I am know that like when I graduated, because he graduated from Carver as well. And he was like, when I went to college, I was not prepared for chemistry or college at all. But when you leave this class, you're going to be prepared. And so he really motivated me and pushed me to get into science. And it just followed me. I was naturally gifted in science and math. Um, I was not a straight A student. I, I did not like always position myself, but he got behind me and really Mm -hmm. believed in me. And his support like put me like in he like put me in all honors and AP classes. And he was like, you can handle it. You need this challenge. Like you're just falling in between in between the cracks. And it was his challenge that like propelled me to like go to school and really like finish and complete. So that's how I got into it It really was like I just found the teacher that really believed and saw the natural gift.
1: I love that. So mentorship. Mm -hmm. mentorship is so uh essential especially when uh especially with our black kids i feel like um, i feel like especially nowadays i just feel like we definitely need more mentors so that's amazing that you had that because that simple that that relationship right there propelled you into you know what you're doing now which is an awesome awesome thing to say
0: um yeah i was thankful for that because yeah. you know most teachers like i said they didn't take us serious in my school because they was like you know when we started out when i was a freshman there was 306 of us and it was less than 80 of us that graduated wow like, yeah so like it wasn't a like oh yeah we believe in these students we're going to really push them and so they just came to
1: work it was a job
0: yeah it was a job and so when they came and like, you know, when he came and got behind me and, you know, I had another, she's actually my store now. Um, she, her name is Cayenne Wilborn. She like legit came and was like, no, you one of my kids, you know, she like took mm. me in and adopted me. And, um, like, she's the reason why I wanted to be Delta anyway, was because of her example, but she, she, uh, had, uh, one of our sore world's husband come up and talk to me. Cause at the time I thought I would pursue a career in pharmacy. And so he was a pharmacist. And so he, found time to come and sit with me in the, in the library at school and like basically give me free game on what to do, how to do it, how to pursue a career in STEM. And I'm, those are like memories that I remember when I was in high school. Like, yeah, like these people really believe they really poured into me to help me get where I am.
1: Okay. Ah, this is awesome. This is awesome. So, um, you said something and I'm trying to go back to it, but, uh, it, it'll, it'll come back to my memory. Um, so college, let's talk about college. So, um, oh, it was nothing important. It was just like, um, I have a respect for anybody who's good with science and math because those hands down were my worst, worst, Ooh, worst, worst it's, a beat. it's a beast. It's a beast. Yeah. yeah. English and history. I was really, I was like great with English and history, right? Writing and mm-hmm. all of that. But when it came to whew, math, science. It's definitely giving one, two, three, four, using my hands and my (laughs) fingers. (laughs) I use my fingers too, man. (laughs) That's hilarious. So uh, let's talk about college. Let's talk about college. Where did you go to um, school and what was your college experience like?
0: So my college experience was different. Right. So initially, I like I said, I wanted to pursue a career in pharmacy. So I was trying to get into colleges that have pharmacy schools. because I figured I'm like, okay, if I go to this school, they'll let me into their pharmacy school. I had no clue how college worked. Right. And so uh, for me on uh, my I'm the first female to graduate in my family. So like even on one side of my family, I'm the only person that has a college degree, a female that has a college degree. So, um, you know, I didn't really have a template. My brother was my template because he actually went to college and he was in school while I was in school. So I was like, okay, if he can do it, then I can certainly do it. Right. Mm So I'm thinking I'm going to school, found out my parents didn't have money to send me to school. So I had to uh, start at a two year college, which ended up being the very best decision I made because um, it helped me save a lot of money. Um, I was able to take a lot of core 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 courses there. And then I transferred from the two year school and went to DePaul, which is where I finished my bachelor's in chemistry. I double majored in chemistry and biology. So college was, it was tough, man, because again, you know, I'm coming out of high school that didn't prepare us to go to college. You know, they barely Uh graduate high school. So now I'm, you know, taking remedial courses, um, like starting like way under. So now I'm paying for the education that I should have got for free at school, at high school. So I'm paying for my college education now or my high school education now. So yeah. the things that I didn't learn or the things I wasn't taught or, you know, I didn't even know what a placement exam was, you know? So of course I didn't know like, oh, I got to take this exam serious. I just thought that this was something that they was doing, you know? So, um, I was able to write my way up into like English one because I did. I was a reader and I loved reading, so I was able to write myself out of that. But like math, I had to start at the bottom and like work my way all the way up to like multivariable calculus and stuff. Then you know when I went to DePaul, DePaul was such a culture shock. You know, it's a predominantly white university. Um, a lot of students are very wealthy there, so you know we're talking about cultural differences in every way where, you know, I'm a a black girl from the South side of Chicago with no money, you know, and then you go to the North side and these people are, you know, they have Louis Vuitton book bags and mom and dad are dropping them off in Mercedes Benz's and things like that. So then like, you know, just being a black student in a STEM based program was incredibly difficult because of course racism lives everywhere. So you have, professors that won't give you um, time or tutoring time. We had, it was, um, when I got to like a certain level of chemistry, it was just me and two other black girls and like our professors wouldn't give us our homework back. So we didn't know how we were doing in this particular class. Wait, say that again. Like our professor would hold our, our homework, like that really counted heavily towards our grade. So wow. she wouldn't give it back to us. And by the time we found out that we wasn't doing so good in the class, it was like almost too late to like either withdraw or like make a turnaround. So you had to take this final and do like almost a perfect score to be able to just pass the class. Had to be stressful. It was incredibly stressful. And then, you know, like when you have to do research projects, you know, they're not gonna pick you. They're gonna pick the white students before you. And if they have a spot, then you know, you, you can join in. So it was a lot. It was such a um Wow. It was such a learning experience, and like I think that, like for me, growing up in you know black areas all of my life, I really didn't have to deal with white people as much as mm-hmm. I did when I was in college. And so it was on a different level. Now you're paying money, you're stressed out, you're trying to get stuff done, and it was hard. And at the same time, you know, my mom had took sick, my dad took sick, my grandmother took sick, so I'm like working, um you know, working my life, like trying to work to pay bills, to make sure like I had college tuition books, my mom had medicine, things like that. Then on top of that, I'm a full-time college student in a STEM-based program. And then my dad was sick. So it was just a lot kind of happening all at once for me. So I didn't have a very easy road at all.
1: Mm. Yeah. I just got to like give you your flowers because you were able to navigate through all of that. A lot of people- Wow, I'm just sitting here, like, listening to your story. And, like, that's amazing that you were able to push through that. There's a couple of things I want to hit on that you talked about, though. Um, So one is definitely the um, you said something and you were like, you got to college and you weren't prepared for college. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of twofold because a lot of times in our schools, I feel like they don't prepare kids for college. They just prepare kids to get out of the school and it's sure. the same way for, you know, unfortunately in a lot of black families, like there's so much and this is not a uh, you know, this is nothing against my people because like my pops because a lot of stuff they didn't know, right? Mm-hmm. But a lot of times they literally prepare us to get the hell out the house at 18 instead yeah. of preparing <laughs> uh, you know, instead of preparing us to actually thrive once we do get out of the house. I see some like on my white counterparts and like talking to them and it's like oh they stayed at home till 25 26 27 and just not the girls right because sometimes you'll see that in our homes that it will be the you know the girls will be allowed but like their their boys too are allowed to stay home until they
0: figure it out you know i had i used to work with someone um she got married and she married her husband he was living Mm -hmm. at home with his parents and Mm -hmm. his parent he was able to like save close to six figures this guy was an engineer You know at home with his parents like not paying rent not paying anything his parents was like hey just save your money and that's exactly what he was able to do and you think about like being able to save that kind of money you know what i'm saying like first of all you have an extremely good job as an engineer you know what i'm saying you're you're looking at walking out of school making at least at the bare minimum 80 grand you know as an engineer and you go home and you have no responsibilities because parents have paid for you to go to college. So you don't have student loans, you know, so you don't have to pay a mortgage, rent, lights, utilities, whatever. Right. And so now mm-hmm. you can take all of your money and stack it. And like when you get married and you're ready to buy a house, now you can put down a significant down payment. And like, you know, even when you get married, your parent your parents are giving you you know, thousands of dollars in wedding gifts. Family is given thousands of dollars in weddings get wedding gifts. So now you're good. You know, you are right. solid. And and she was like able to leverage it. and I was telling, you know, another coworker who was like, well, you know, I just think that black people they kind of was trying to say like black people just make a lot of excuses. And I was like, well let me tell you, like let's compare and contrast here, where black students, you know, are black people, black kids, even when you're in college, you have to take out a significant amount of student loans, right? Yeah. Just to be able to survive college. Right. You know, we're talking basic needs. We're talking clothing, shoes, food, food, like, you know, all of that stuff, housing. Like I stayed, thank God I stayed in Chicago, you know, and I live South suburbs, but I still had to commute back and forth, you know, mm-hmm. from the South side to the North side every day while I was in school. So that's a cost. And so, where people, you know, our white counterparts don't have to worry about that. Black students have this on their back. So as a black as a black college student, not only did I have the the necessity to be able to make it through college, but I had, you know, my family is counting on me to make it through. Right. So now it's the pressure because you're, you have to be this example. And whether you sign up for it or not. Like, I didn't, I, it never dawned on me one single time that, hey, you're breaking, like, a whole generational curse by being a woman mm-hmm. that's educated. I never even thought, like, well, dad, none of my family, like, none of the females in my family are educated. Like, they didn't go to a college level. So, here I am breaking through this glass ceiling for my family, and but breaking through this glass ceiling caused me to get cut and bruised and beat up a lot, you know, trying to get to the next level. And, like, I think that we have to like really get behind our college students because
2: yeah,
0: it's like college is a beast, man. I don't care if you go to an HBCU, if you go to a, a predominantly white university, like it is a beast. It is a different level. And like we we have to find ways to really support our students through this because it's so hard. It is so hard.
1: That's good. That's good. So you talked about, um, the challenges of being at a PWI, mm-hmm. um, was an HBCU an option? Because I do know that certain, you know, engineering, uh, chemistry, uh, those type of things sometimes really aren't offered in these HBCUs, which is another sure. issue. Uh, sure. Can you talk to me about that?
0: Yeah. So, you know, I, I, HBCUs were on my radar, mm-hmm. but, the thing is, like, my mentor who I, you know, I met in high school, who, Cayenne, she told me, I was like, yeah, I'm going to HBCU. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I grew up in the Cosby era. So, you know, going to HBCU was everything, right? Yeah. And so I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And she was like, well, let me ask you something. Do your parents have money to send you to college? And I was like, no. She was like, well, then you probably don't want to choose an H- HBCU because if you go down there and you need money, every black student down there is fighting for the same thing. They're all fighting for money. And if you are trying to like survive, then you're probably not going to have what you need to survive. So you're going to end up coming home and becoming discouraged. And mm. that was such wisdom to me. Like, And she wasn't speaking against HBCUs. She just understood from a different level that HBCUs are not equipped and it's not their fault, but they're not equipped to be able to handle the black student situations financially because they don't get the funding that most PWIs get. So um, it, it was a struggle like to make that decision not to go to HBCU because I really wanted to go the one, but they also don't offer the programs that you you need to be able to like level up. So, right. you know, like you said, to your point, they don't offer engineering degrees in some of them. They don't offer like a good solid chemistry um, Program or you know they might be struggling with funding, so you don't learn the certain techniques that you need to learn, you know, to be able to thrive as a chemist in the lab. You know, so it's 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 difficult. It's it's sad, but it's very difficult.
1: Yeah, I can. Yeah, I see. I hear that a lot from. Um, I hear that from a lot of students. Like, oh, I want to go to HBCU, but the program that I want, they don't really have that program.
0: Yeah, yeah, and this, and you know, the, the thing that makes me so sad about that is you're, you're going to always find the most talent in Black people, right? And so nice. you would think that we would have stellar music programs, stellar cinematography programs, stellar yeah. chemistry programs, you know, like these things, because a lot of things that we do in science was discovered and created by Black people, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, dang, we don't have anything, like any any spaces in our institutions to really educate our students to be able to carry out this legacy, and it sucks. It sucks, man.
1: One thing that I know happens, and it's funny because I was watching. The, There's a show on TV called All American Homecoming. It's a mm-hmm. spinoff of original All American, and it's specifically focused on HBCUs. And um, they've they really they tackle a lot of the issues that you know people have going to these schools. And uh, one of the issues that they tackled on, spoiler alert, y'all, spoiler alert. All right, so one of the issues they um, face this season towards the tail end of the season is they might have to shut the school down because of lack of funding. They might have to sell the school. And something was crazy in that it was, um, so one of the teachers, one of the professors, she brought all of the alumni together, right? A lot of the alumni who's very successful because we Mm -hmm. see a lot of people leave these institutions. They're very successful. And she's like, the only time you all give money is during homecoming when there's the parties, this, that, and the other, but you forget about these schools. And I do think a lot of times, <clears throat> a lot of these schools, um, how do I say this without offending anybody who went to HBCUs? I feel like people make it quote unquote, make it. And then mm-hmm. they don't reach back.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, a funny story is um, uh-huh. I w- when I was considering whether I was going to go to medical school, pursue a degree or pursue my, um, science or chemistry career, or if I was going to do pharmacy school, I had, my mom had a nephrologist and he went to Howard. And mm-hmm. I asked, I said, you know, I was just curious just to figure out like, you know, what was his journey through school? And like, you know, what was that like for him becoming a doctor, particularly going to HBCU? Mm-hmm. And he was like, so arrogant and so preposterous. He was like, was mm-hmm. Howard. You know, and I was like, oh, yep. you know, and for me that I, I, I wasn't attending an HBCU. So I didn't really understand, like, you know, the arrogance behind it. But I understand that, like, Howard has a little flair. No offense yeah. to people that wasn't Howard, because I have, like, really great <laughs> people. That I love that wasn't Howard that are super humble. But, like, um, you know, I didn't understand that flair behind it. But it was like, yeah, he like he literally like like yeah. his head up and then walked out of the, the, uh, the room and I was like, really like you know i'm trying to you know I'm a black college student here trying to ask a doctor that has clearly made it like right. how did you get through this and so my mom had even went back and told him he said she said you know my daughter mentioned you know and she was like you know my daughter said like you know you just kind of was like so rude to her when she was trying to ask she was like you know my daughter's in college and she's considering this career in medicine and she wanted to ask some questions but you Kind of just like tooted your nose up and was like, you know, kind of threw his head up. It was weird, bro. Like, I, you really yeah. had to be there to witness it. And yeah. it's, it's that it's that attitude that we have. Like, you know, sometimes it, I get like, you know, you are happy that you just made it. Like, oh I made it out of school, right? But my biggest thing is has always been like, we have to reach backwards to yeah. help out college students. Like, this has this has to be a thing. Like, we have to create a community. For them to let them know like hey we got you like you know we know what it's like to be in your shoes and and when right. we don't do those things like sponsoring the kid like maybe give them a thousand dollars to go back like to, like if you live in chicago and you need to get back to uh washington to get to howard like here's a grant to get back to school you yeah. know like that is little things like that that will hold and hinder a college student from pursuing their career, just simply like everything could be lined up. I can have room and board. I can have my books. I can have my classes. Everything could be paid for. But if I don't have the money to get from my home state to my college state, that will hinder a student from pursuing and finishing their degree. You think that that's so insignificant, but it's a huge deal. Like college students literally suffer all the time because they just can't afford to get back. I know so many stories of that, like, man, I did not <clears even throat> have the money.
1: That happened to my nephew. Um You yes. just in couldn't go back. Yeah.
0: Just could not get back. And you would think, like, oh, a parent can get you in a car. Well, what if your parents don't have a car? <laughs> right. Or access to a car? Right. Or credit to rent a car? You know, if I don't have a, a credit card, I can't rent a vehicle to nope. drive you to Southern, you know, like to Louisiana and get you down there you know what i'm saying like yeah it's little hiccups like that and people don't think that like systemic racism is a real thing Come this on. is systemic racism guys yeah in every way it you can't <clears> avoid every it. way it is there literally there right so it's like if you if you feel like like oh this is just nothing no these students are suffering like it broke my heart to see those those uh students like Sleep outside on the Howard campus because it was their building was filled with mold, and I don't think that the the uh, admins at that school were trying to like on purpose hurt harm these kids, right? Right. But they don't have the funding, right. and it's like you know we have billionaires. We celebrate our billionaires that Oof. are black, but y'all could y'all donate like ten million? Do you know what ten million dollars could do?
1: Not what only donate, do? but and this is no sh- because like because this is no shade right but mm-hmm. donate to the alcorn stage the jackson yes. stage like yes. because everybody spellman spellman's good y'all maybe
0: spellman uh, got money
1: morehouse see, is see, good see. y'all
0: Spellman, listen i i have sore right i'm going to to Sigma Theta. i have sore that pour thousands you know yeah. what i'm saying into their their um school they spellman morehouse they good, bro. Good. Like, listen, they they solid. Like no shade to like right. them. They need help too, right? right? But I'm telling you, Spelmanites, baby, that connection is so real. Like you could literally climb the corporate ladder just by mm-hmm. graduating from Spelman. So they're good. But mm-hmm. you need to hit colleges like Russ. Colleges yeah. like Fisk. Colleges yeah. like, you know, uh Xavier and Yes, like you, like these, co- like spread that wealth around, and yes. because there are hidden gems that's there that literally they're trying, and I feel mm-hmm. like we we harp on like colleges like Harvard and um, Case Western, and like oh my gosh, they have this stellar medical school program and all of this stuff, yeah. And our students, our brilliant students, literally leave mm-hmm. these HBCUs to go to these Ivy League colleges just to be able to to mingle and mesh but mm-hmm. could you imagine meeting a master p a, a sean carter a, a, a p diddy at your hbcu y'all yeah. meet and you form something great like you know yeah. what i'm saying like these are the kind of minds that's there in these colleges yeah and doing phenomenal work but they're not getting the recognition that they need or deserve like we have built like through social medias and stuff like that. Like we've built so much stuff. We've made so many things cool to the point that it's like, yo, we should be, money should be overflowing in our community. But we don't understand the balance of having to like spread that wealth around and keep it circulating in our community. Like when I went to the Paul, I like, honestly, like for me, for my time, I was at Paul for three years. Okay. I took out, like it was $33,000 a year to go to Paul. That was not with room and board. That's $33,000 for school only. And I know it's significantly more now. Because that's what it like maybe 12 years ago, right? Okay. 12, maybe 13 years ago, right? So you can imagine the inflation on it now. Yeah. But the I only took out maybe like $30,000 in student loans. And here's why. And I was there for three years. So I only took out about $10,000 in student loans every year. And here's why. Because the Catholic charities made sure that students had money. Mm-hmm. I got so much money in grants just from going to a Catholic university because they have institutions behind their institution. They're funding their people to be educated. And that's something that we don't do.
1: It's $41,202 now. As it's of insane, right?
0: Seriously. Yeah.
1: That's insane. Yeah. And that's not good. That's a lot If we really think about that. 40 without room aboard, $40,000. You could look at there's a lot of families that don't even make that in a year.
0: Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Literally, don't make that base salary. (laughs) Wow. That's insane.
1: That's really crazy. The Catholic
0: charities are behind their institutions. You see what I'm saying? Like, they get behind their, listen, we're going to stand behind our stuff.
1: Period. So are, are our celebrities doing enough? I don't think so. Because I've had this conversation so. when it comes time to the fact, like here in Chicago, right? And I know there's a lot of red tape, political red tape, a lot of like crazy stuff that goes on behind the scenes, just working the activism scene for a while. I've seen a lot mm-hmm. of the stuff, but like to me, this crazy that we don't have any Black-owned grocery stores here at all.
2: It's insane, we have, man. But we have
1: like you know, Oprah, who spent time here. We have, for you sure. know, Kanye we West. Argue. Like, she yeah, all elsewhere. these big names. And um, like Yeah, like, why don't we, we have a grocery store in the hood in these places that are food deserts? Um, sure. And sure. because then we force people. It's so crazy because, like, there's people who might live, like, they might live over east, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, 71st and Jeffrey. Well, they got a grocery store over there now, thankfully. But, mm-hmm. you know, you got people who live out south who can't get to a higher part? Well, wait
0: a minute. Hold on, hold on. That grocery store, have you been in there? Have you seen um, the prices in there? No, I haven't. Oh, my gosh. Go in there. Just go on a field trip, bro. Okay. Literally. And look at the prices.
1: Ah. Uh...
0: Like, so, it's so crazy because it's, and I don't want to say like, cause I'm not accusing the owners of being capitalists, right? Uh-huh. But I'm going to accuse the owners of being capitalists. <laughs> they know that they don't have any other grocery stores over there, like real grocery stores. So
1: it's not you know, for us. It's for who's not coming. Not for
0: us. They're building for a different audience. They already know that they're getting ready to gentrify that area yep. with the library of, of Obama's library coming over there, right? Yep. They already know that that's going to push their people closer and closer and closer. They, mm. it's, the, it's the Whole Foods effect. It's the Starbucks effect. Gotcha. They know exactly what they're doing. Exactly. Gotcha. They know people can't afford to shop there. Those people that live in, there, in that area right now cannot afford to shop in that grocery store. And if they do, they're breaking the, the bank trying to afford fresh fruits and vegetables. And it shouldn't be like that. And that has nothing to do with inflation. That's right. everything about knowing that you have no competition around you mm-hmm. and you're taking advantage of the people of the that people. live in that area on purpose. And it's sad, man. And it's like, you know, to your point is, you know, you have somebody like, let me tell you from the South side, right? I I grew up near Argyle Garden. So in that area, in Argyle Garden, it's Concordia Park, um, that area is no grocery stores. No Literally, grocery stores. it's like, like that whole area right over there. Is like, it's like nothing. Like it's the, um, it's the water reclamation center, right? Okay. And then they have like Rosebud grocery store, which isn't a real grocery store, but that's it. It's processed food, right? Yes. It and yeah. it's like, it's like nothing, right? Yeah. So if I live over there, they closed down the Ultra or what was that? Yeah, it was Ultra. I think it was. That was on 127, like in Blue Island. That was the closest grocery store. We're talking
1: wow. mouths.
0: literally so on you,
1: a whole different side. So I already the, know that question. I know the I already know the answers, but for the listeners, because a lot of our listeners, some people just don't understand, right? So right. what did you have to eat over there? Junk. Like you go yeah.
0: to you go to like uh, it's a um, place called uh, Up Top, right? Like it was like a like a little circle kind of spot in the gardens, right? So it's like your liquor store. Uh, little fast food greasy restaurant. It's fried nothing fish, else over there. Yeah, it, gyros. Like, yeah, and it, yeah, like pizza puffs and stuff yeah. like that. Right. So that's it. That's all. Like it's not like not even a McDonald's over there. Like it's no nothing over there. Across the like literally, if you look straight across the street, it's a landfill over there, and then wow. it's a steel mill, and then it's the expressway. You know, so it's nothing over there for these people to actually live a healthy lifestyle at all. Like yep. at all. No, like nothing. So if you're living there, even if you want to get a pizza delivery, you gotta find somewhere like Definitely. miles away. So could you imagine how how these kids are functioning in school and how they're functioning? Cause like they look like teachers are driving <clears> through <throat> these areas, like getting to work, looking at what these kids are dealing with. And they already know, like nine times out of ten, you're not coming to school to pay attention. You're not coming to school, you probably come to school for a meal. Literally, yeah, because that's the that's best it. meal you're gonna get. That's it. And like, it's not literally nothing in that area, nowhere near, and no one is trying to develop it. It's insane. And it's like, you know, when you think about black business, right? And we we're like, yeah, black business. We yeah, black business for real. But do you understand the plight, the struggle that black owned mm-hmm. businesses go through just to survive? Just you to know, survive. Just to, get to the next level. It's insane. It's insane.
1: And that's the crazy thing. And then we're going to go to break after this. And then we're going to come back and really talk about a little bit more about like what you're doing now. Right. And we'll get into that. But one thing that I've seen, right, is another thing that happened here in Chicago. um, And they say it's because of funding and low enrollment or whatever. But uh, our former mayor, Rahm Emanuel, I call him Khan Emanuel. uh, (laughs) He went ahead and he closed like upward of 20 plus schools sure and are. then combine a lot of these kids in like three or four different schools mm-hmm. and everybody's like oh that makes sense but if you really look if you know Chicago so for instance you can't take a bunch of kids who's in a neighborhood that they bang BD and then mm-hmm. send them to school oh, in a neighborhood the that oh, they bang the GD
0: let me let me tell you this. I I, I have to say this because I, I, okay. I we having this kind of conversation because I get riled up about this. Yeah. Um. I remember when I was in college. This was this had to be like 2007 2008. I was on the train going up north to go to DePaul. and I mm-hmm. you know they used to pass out the red eye for free, mm-hmm. and so I I love getting it for free every day. I would read it because I wanted to know what was going on. So I'm reading this article, and it's a mother in Chicago. She was literally suing the city because the city um something happened where around the time when i was 18 when i was first becoming a about became a registered voter um so that was like 2004. they had a a, a, a law passed or some like a bill or something passed right where they act like basically everybody had to vote whether or not every hospital in chicago would be a trauma center right and so basically what a trauma center is is this trauma center is able to handle anybody like from a car accident stab gunshot whatever any kind of traumatic event that can happen to a person this particular hospital would be set up to handle this right so it got past that every hospital didn't have to be that like so it was like maybe six trauma centers in the entire Mm -hmm. state that would be trauma centers right right so i had a friend a high school buddy that got shot in the gardens right he got shot He did not get shot in a place where he could die, but he had to get from one hundred and thirtieth to ninety fifth and Pulaski, which we all know from east, literally east to west, or yeah, east to west, yeah, north to south, right, getting through ninety fifth Street traffic, all of that. He died not from his gunshot wound, but because he bled out.
2: The mother in
0: this particular article was was uh, suing the city because she was like, "My son could have lived." If y'all had accepted him at this hospital, he would not have died if he was accepted at this hospital. And they couldn't accept him because they was not a trauma center. And so at the time, Mayor Daly was in the office. He was our mayor at the time. and He strategically because he was putting in that bid for uh, the Olympics. So mm-hmm. he strategically started shutting down the ghettos, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the Taylor Homes, all of the projects and stuff like that, to move them out of the city, and he was pushing them to the outskirts, right, towards the Garden area, like 130th area, right. So now you have all of these displaced people, right. So these people are, have have had their blocks, quote unquote, for years, like drug blocks, whatever it is. So they've been gangbanging, doing their thing for years. Now they're completely displaced and they have to move and they have to co coexist with people that they were probably the enemies with, right? Mm-hmm. So then, once they started, you know, moving all of these people displ- displacing them, they they had a huge brawl at Finger High School on 115 that left a boy dead. Like it was it was insane because of the collision that was happening with the two different um, areas merging together so right. people talk about the violence in chicago and the things that's happening in chicago i've read several articles where pastors are sitting down meeting with gang leaders like hey can y'all talk to us about this can, can we settle this shooting stuff and these leaders of gangs whole leaders of gangs are saying hey that ain't us doing that shooting that's the police so let's say for instance michael if me and you have beat right right your block is shot up. Now we have beef and we said like, all right, we're going to squash it. Right. You killed my man. I killed your man. We good? We all right. All right. We settle it. Now your block is shot up. Who you think shot your block up? You're going to think it's me. Right. But really it's not me. It's the police. So now yep. you get mad, get your people and shoot my block up. Now we back at war. We back. They're, at, saying yeah. that they're finding crates, whole crates of guns in alleys randomly throughout the city. And we're trying yeah. to figure out how our 15 year olds our 16 year olds are getting their hands on guns this is why they're, they're planting this stuff in our communities. yeah we're taking essential stuff out of our communities and planting things that can cause us harm in our community
1: and with all of that going on and then you tell these kids to go to school and, and yes. learn something
0: yes i was just looking at a video <laughs> a friend of mine had just posted uh this guy was doing it and i thought it was phenomenal he said he said, "You know, uh, we talk about PTSD, right? And we talk about yeah. like how yeah. you know this is like a soldier kind of thing. Like a soldier would be have PTSD, which is it's true. Right? But you also have PTSD from your neighborhood. So they're like these kids yeah. can't sit still yeah. because they know if they're on their block just standing there, they could possibly yeah. lose their life. So they know they yeah. got to move around." So they can't sit still, they're anxious and they're looking over their shoulder and making sure this is all whether somebody is after them or not. This is all learned behavior. Mm -hmm. And You're expecting these kids to come and function and be regular human beings, right? Regular human beings. But these kids are suffering because you're putting them in a war zone.
1: Yeah. They're in a war zone. They don't have food. Their their home is is in disarray. So then when they're when they're acting out in school right? Because this is what Mm -hmm. I see a lot. They act out in school. The teachers either don't get paid enough to deal with this stuff, Mm -hmm. and so they don't care about Mm -hmm. the kids for real, for real. So they're like, oh, go to the principal's office. The principal doesn't get paid enough and doesn't want to deal with it, so they suspend the school. I mean, they suspend the child from the school, expel them from the school, whatever, whatever, when the school is literally the one place that they come for escape for a refuge, for a safe haven. So now you push them back out into this the trauma and to the just the war zone that they're trying to get away from. A lot of kids, the only time that they do eat, you talked about it earlier, is when they come to school. So there's so much that we could talk about it uh talking about how oh we need God. more mental uh, health facilities across for the neighborhoods, sure. how we need more mental health um social workers inside of the schools. Mm-hmm. Um but Not yeah in- advocate yeah, money
0: all of that. I mean just all I, I like I admire um Chance the rapper because he has yeah. really been he's been a huge advocate in like yeah. donating money of his own you know like I think about like LeBron James right LeBron James is brilliant I just found out he became a billionaire and like half of his money like half of his billion is in cash so he's not like you know like a um uh, what's his name Elon Musk or right. uh, the guy that owns Amazon he uh where they have all of their money in stocks right in bond, so they're, they're not being taxed and it's just worth a billion but like he actually has like money and I think about like how he's sending kids to school in Akron for free right, right. and I understand why he's doing it in Akron because that's his hometown you know like right. I can provide free education i understand that because i feel like i would send a bunch of kids to chicago state
2: right you know what
0: i'm saying but i also think about like what if you could send a bunch of kids to an hbcu right. you know what i'm saying like how would like how amazing would that be and i'm not saying that he has to like you know lead the charge on that but there are so many other people that have connections to things that could really connect people and i i like, the, I feel like Black people, one of the, the best things we have, we may not always have money, we may not always have a lot of things, but we have resources within each other. Yeah. And to be able to pick up a phone and say, hey, bro, could you mentor my friend or could you, could you get somebody an internship or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. That means the world because that can inspire so many people. But we're so like, I don't want to share, I don't want to share, I don't want to share. It's like, y'all, we can't be like that.
1: Like, we really it's, cannot be, we can't afford to be like that. Right. But that comes back from, this is such a good conversation. Uh, it goes back to the whole, you know, a lot of time people like doggy dog, crabs in the barrel, woo, woo, woo. Mm-hmm. but that's a thing. But I always look at the root of it. And the root of it, it comes from lack, right? Yeah, so it's like, either. let's say you at your granny's house and it's like you and like eight of your other cousins, right? you're Mm -hmm. going to try to get to the table before they get to the table so you can eat so you can eat and so that's why or if something happens and you get some mcdonald's right Mm -hmm. we know that it was a skit now but you get some mcdonald's no i'm not going to share my mcdonald's with my brothers and my sisters because this is my mcdonald's right this this is my burger these are smart fries no you can't have none and i feel like Like in a bigger scale, we do that same thing when Mm -hmm. um, we get to the table or we quote unquote make it. It's like, oh, no, I I can own. There's only room for me at this table. There's only room for me to do it. And we got to get out of that mindset. Even in
0: the scientific industry, right, where Mm -hmm. black women are so scarce, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and, And it's hard for us to make any kind of leeway. So that's why you see a lot of us starting our own labs, particularly in the personal care industry. Right. And so. I'm always like, I'm reaching out to people in our industry. And I know for a lot of them, that may be weird. Like, she she don't even know me, but she's like, hey, here's my phone number. If you need anything, call me. I mean that genuinely. Like, sis, if I'm on, we on. Like, you but... have to have that kind of mindset because here's the deal. We, it's, it's so, the, the field is so wide and so big. Even if I, like, everybody lined up outside of my door. We, us together, couldn't handle everybody. We would mm-hmm. still have to spread it around. So it's mm-hmm. like, if you know something, help somebody else out. You know what I'm saying? Like, be willing to share what you know. Be willing to share the knowledge that you have to be able to plug people into what God has called them into as well. Like, he can call you and that person.
2: Come on. You know
0: what I'm saying? Like, right. it, if one could put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight. Like, imagine right. what... If we, like, if I join forces or if I help somebody else out, right, like, it's somebody here in Chicago. She she owns her own manufacturing plant, her own lab, right? If I'm here in my lab and I'm formulating for these these clients, right, and I send my clients to you and you mass manufacture, like, could you imagine how big yeah. that can get? Like, yeah. how significant a win that would be for the Black community, mm-hmm. like, if we team up and get behind each other for real and really support each other in a real way, like not be like, Oh, can I get a discount? Can you cut me some slack here and there? Jesus. But like be really serious. Like, yo, I'm gonna really support your stuff. I got you.
1: And yeah, I love that. I love that. I love that. And it's just like, I kind of do the same thing. Like I share so many people's podcasts, woo, 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 right? On a daily basis telling people, Hey, check this out. i oh, listen to this. And it's because I know the land that I'm in and yep. i'm not threatened i'm not threatened by them it's like there's room for all of us there's room for all of us to thrive because i really believe that we all have an audience we all have a customer we all have a client we all yeah. have our own support group we all have our own tribe so it's like you uplifting somebody else you you know you supporting somebody else that doesn't take away from you and then i really believe that collaboration is the biggest form of currency that we can even come across
0: yes 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 besides your your thinking power yeah collaboration is huge you get some of the best work done we've we've gotten some of the best music in the world based off of collaboration collaboration you know so it it requires people to put their 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 arms down and just be like hey look i'm here to help to be a help to you and to help you succeed and like genuinely mean that like don't be just saying like hey i'm here to see you get on but then you like i don't really want to see you get on it's right. like uh, i'm gonna cheer for you when you hear i'm gonna cheer for you here you i'm gonna cheer for you here you, yeah, you know yeah. what i'm saying like even if you're doing more than what i am i can always learn even if you're not doing what i'm doing i can always learn you know like right. you have to be open it, it requires humility and that's what a lot of us don't have because we feel like we can't let people have be vulnerable or we can't be vulnerable in front of people. And it's like, Mm -hmm. honestly, being vulnerable is what really helps you get through those doors or make connections or shake some hands to get to know some people that you didn't know even existed. And we miss that every single time because we're just Mm -hmm. afraid to open up to our sister or open up to our brother. Like, yeah, everybody don't mean you good. We know that. And you have to use discernment. You have to be smart about it. But there are some people that genuinely have your back that really would be like, look, I got you call me like literally like when i you know with the whole uh viral tweet thing that happened with me so many people reached out and that's my sister i was like listen call me here's my number like send me an email here's my email i'm gonna just i'm gonna it's me responding it's not my assistant it's me i'm responding to you i'm Mm -hmm. reading what you're saying i'm checking in with you like don't don't ask me for my time and I give it to you, and then you like don't follow up, you know. Like, I'm right. here for it. I want to see us win because we need to.
1: The I can't do up. this
0: for the rest of my life. I can't do it by myself. I don't want
1: to. That follow-up is uh yeah, that follow-up's good. Okay, we gotta take a break. All right, hey. our producer <laughs> is, so uh, good. Good. Yeah. This is so good. <laughs> we're gonna take a break and then we're gonna be back because we're gonna talk about what's been going on with you the past couple of uh, months because you've been out here blowing up. So <laughs> you all are listening to Conversation for the Culture. I am your host, Michael Butler. We're going to go pay the bills real quick and we will be back. We going to get right back to the conversation. But before we do, I need you to go to www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash it's Micah B. That's www.buymeacoffee.com Buymeacoffee.com forward slash it's Micah B. Check it out. As you know, I'm a content creator, podcaster, TikToker, YouTuber, all of the above. If you want to support the work that I'm doing, if you want to support the content, if you want to donate to the show, if you want to give to the cause, just go to that website and throw a coffee my way, throw a couple of dollars my way, and check it out. When you do that, It allows us to grow this show. It allows us to grow our YouTube. It allows us to grow the other platforms so we can continue to give you the best conversations that we can. Speaking of conversations, let's get back to it. Welcome back. Welcome back. We're having an amazing conversation. Um, So where do I want to go with this? Okay, so Honeypot, right? Yeah. Uh there was a big controversy uh probably two months ago. We actually talked about it a little bit on this show. Uh, no, a yeah, I see uh y'all yeah. wild.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: Portia said what she said what she said. Oh, yeah, um, sure. but the big thing was um centered around um the chemicals that they used before it was organic, and then it was found out that um You know, some of the ingredients had changed, and then there was misinformation. We have to stop doing this, black people, Mm -hmm. but there was misinformation that it was no longer a black owned company, Mm -hmm. and that she sold it to a white man, and then they went ahead and they changed the ingredients. And then I started noticing
0: on that point in itself. Like you said, what? I have so much to say on that point in itself. It's like, okay, guys, like, let's, she didn't sell, right? That's clear. right. She's made that adamantly clear she did not sell. But this is one of the most popular products, period, right? If a white person bought it and this is this, this formulation is where it's selling off the shelf, why in the world would they change the formulation? Like, right. they're in it to make money. So, right. like, y'all yeah, stop. Like, that part, that piece was like, come on, stop. Like white people want to make money, like, and black people do too, but I'm just saying like, right? do do that? That don't even make sense. So anyway.
1: So so can we talk about how you entered this? How did you, how did everyone (laughs) enter the chat?
0: Yeah. Okay. So let me tell you, it was a wild story. So apparently, you know, I'm off in the abyss of minding my own business, right? And right. apparently this had been a conversation happening over the weekend. And I had no clue because I'm not on Twitter. I'm, I'm on Twitter, but I'm not like on Twitter all the time. So I have no clue what's going on. And so um, I wake up one morning, it had to be like, it was Monday morning. I was, I woke up at like four o'clock in the morning. Licensed esthetician. So I'm in a bunch of aesthetics group on fa- groups on Facebook. So I seen someone from my, one of the aesthetics groups that I'm in uh, post- this uh this meme basically like the this is the picture of the form the bottle of the first formula and then this is the picture of the second formula and they was like what are your thoughts on this so i'm just looking and at first to be honest with you i thought somebody was like i was like oh man people just get on the internet and just do anything i'm like somebody must have changed the ingredients and said this is whatever because I hadn't seen anything. I follow um, Honeypot Co. on Instagram. So I hadn't seen anything of them announcing any kind of changes or anything like that. So I thought it was fake. So I ended up clicking on the original post, like the person. So it was a person that reposted it in the group. So I went and looked at the original post. And I read what the person had wrote. And I was like, wait, what? So, I look, so I'm So i looking at this formula. So I'm like, well, wait, let me go to the Honeypot Co. page and see what happened. So I listened right. to the video that B had put posted and I was like, okay, so they did change the formula, so let me go back and see what the formula actually is and like, you know, is it harmful or whatever, right? So I'm looking at it, like, Micah, I'm literally looking at this formula like for an hour because I was trying to find all of the, the claims that these people were saying was in it. And I was like, that's not, literally, this is not true. You know that you're lying. Like, it's no parabens. It's, it's no oxides. It's, it's like all of these things. And I'm like, So then I was like, Eliane, like take social media out your head, look at it from your chemist, like from a chemist standpoint, like look at this formulation, right? And I'm looking at it and I was like, and I'm comparing and contrasting the old versus the new. And I was like, well, actually she made a better product, to be honest. Like it still has some of the same, um, you know, ingredients in there, but she just changed a handful of ingredients. And I was like, oh, she just made it better. That's it. I was like, Mm. and then she made it more sustainable. So I was like, well, and I was so I, I made the horrid mistake of reading the comments in there. And I guess like it wasn't a horrible mistake because it was what filled me to write the tweets in the first place. But I'm looking at it and I I went to Honeypot Go page. And when I tell you they was eating her to shreds, it was thousands and thousands of comments. And then I went to B's page and I seen like she had to disable her comments because people and she had to write a letter to tell people like you all are like hate speech is terrible, you all threatening me. Like it, it was insane. And I was at literally, I was like, man, I was so upset. And I was upset for a number of reasons. First of all, I, I love Honey Code. Like I enjoy the products. I wore them. I have had Honey Code products for years, right? Then, you know, I'm looking for looking at it from that standpoint as a black woman. And then I'm looking at it from another standpoint as a businesswoman. Why things would change and what would right. make sense. So you know, being in the in the uh, the chemistry Im- industry, where you know I specifically focus on personal care products, I understand the war that we're in as Black people. And let me give you. A, I'm gonna drop a little dime for you, right?
2: Okay.
0: I was. I was. Uh, I had sent the um, a vendor, one of my personal friends, and that's a, a raw material vendor, right? And I was saying, hey, you know, I need to get my hands on this particular raw material for a client. And he told me, he said, Alion, I can send you a sample of it, but I can't sell it to you. And I was like, why, man? Why you can't sell this to me? He was like, because I'm under an exclusivity deal with mm. this brand that won't allow me to sell it to anybody else but them. So imagine if you have a product, right? And Michael, you mm-hmm. sell products, right? So yeah. segment is like, right, you're trying to get your uh, hands on caps. And because of the shortage that's happening around the world, mm-hmm. a bigger conglomerate, like, uh, like ERA or whatever, whoever makes hats, says, mm-hmm. I'm going to buy all of these smaller businesses that sell hats off, right? And tell them, don't sell hats to nobody so I can be the only person that keep my hats in stock. Mm-hmm. So imagine that on a major scale, right? Where if you're trying to get your hands on a specific piece of raw material that helps that is literally the glue to your formulation you can't get your hands on that now you gotta sit you gotta sit this one out either gotta change your formulation or sit this one out until you can get it on the shelf again so you're either losing money or spending more money
2: right that's
0: what so many black owned businesses are up against in this time that people don't understand like this is not uh checkers this is chess baby and these people are out here playing for keeps. And if you're dealing with a multi-billion dollar, trillion dollar conglomerate that can mm-hmm. go buy a whole industry off. And you dealing with fickle people on social media. What you think you're going to
1: get? Who don't know what they're talking about? Who don't exactly. know anything about supply and demand? They don't you understand
0: don't... it. No. And that was the thing that angered me. So I'm, I'm on the phone with my dad. And I'm talking to him and I'm like, dad, this is so crazy. And I'm just like fueled up. And he told me, he said, Eliane, you got to know how to pick and choose your battles. But he said, if you feel this passionate about it, then you have a moral obligation to say something. If you understand something, explain it to the people so that they can understand. Mm -hmm. And so I sat there at my desk and I wrote out those tweets and that's how I entered the chat. And I was like, you know, of course people are crazy, but I'm like, let me just give you all from a scientific standpoint. What she did and why? Why I thought she possibly did it. I didn't know what Honey Parko reasons were, but I just was like, "Hey, let me just tell you from what I'm experiencing on my end and why she would probably do this." Right. It was. It was sad, man. Like I was. You talk about being a, a like putting yourself, being empathetic, and putting yourself in someone else's shoes. You know, like I just, I, I, I was uh, thinking about it all night. I was at, you know, I was in the lab working just. I couldn't stop thinking about it because it was so sad to see how people just ripped her to shreds, man. That was hard. Yeah. That was hard. So
1: you did a live with her, Mm -hmm. um, which is amazing. Um, And then let's talk about how did you get the essence fest? How did that come? So um,
0: I had did a Twitter takeover and it was very successful. Um, People asked a lot of good questions and i was really happy that people participated in that because it really helped dispel a lot of rumors and just like you know people just got to flood out ask whatever they wanted to ask right. and um b had she they were at they, i think they asked B to do a panel on vaginal wellness and she wanted to bring she really was adamant about making sure that she had people around her that because you know sometimes when you're the business owner you have an idea there are other people that have expertise in things yeah. that you just don't. You know, you're just a person with the idea sometimes. And so she knew a lot of stuff, but she wanted to make sure that she had people that could explain it in the way that it needs to be explained. And so she asked if I could come down and she asked, uh, She actually my personal gynecologist was there, too. And um, a- another good uh, friend of mine who's a cosmetic chemist as well. She owns her own lab as well. Uh, she came down. So that's how we got to Essence Fest. But it was good because it was such a it was I, I think that like with the Honeypot Co, they've invested so much money in making sure that people understand like we are making good products for black people. And that's something, Micah, like I could talk to talk about all day long. But it's a difference between putting a product on a shelf that's black owned, but it's a difference in putting a product on a shelf that's black owned, that's made. For the good of Black people, Ooh, so like in our baby. in our industry, right in the cosmetic industry, I, I literally in March, I think it was either March or February, I sat in a, um, I sat in a, a cosmetic chemist um, seminar, and they were talking about parabens, and they was like, you know, we'll be so glad when parabens get off the the uh, X list, like the black list, right? And they were saying like, oh, parabens are really safe; they don't really do any harm. But here's what they that what our standpoint was. They were looking at research that was only performed on Asians and Caucasians, mm.
2: so they had
0: no idea how parabens affected Black women. Right? It took a, a research group in Atlanta, and I wish I knew their name. But what I should, are parabens now? Uh, parabens are um, uh, preservatives. They're using okay. cosmetics and they, they're using cosmetics, foods, baby okay. products, all of that stuff. Right? So they, um, they, they, this Black research group did some research in Atlanta. And they were testing to see the effects of parabens on Black women. Come to find Mm -hmm. out, parabens actually cause breast cancer in Black women, but they don't cause breast cancer in white women because our genes Mm -hmm. are different. So when you do scientific research as far as like um, clinical trial testing, which is what Honey Pot Co. did to find out if these products are actually safe for us, then... You know, people just putting stuff out there, just saying, oh, yeah, this is a great product. I use great ingredients, so this is a great product. But you don't know if those ingredients affect us or not. But we find, we're we finding out that just because it didn't affect an, uh, uh, someone from an Asian descent or someone from a Caucasian descent, it doesn't mean that it's not going to affect someone from an African descent differently. And that's why it's important for us to support our own people and work with people that
1: understand that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Um... Hmm, I'm learning so much. I'm learning so much. So, obviously, as a chemist, there's a lot of like I don't think people know exactly what it is. People just think you like sit in the lab and you know pour stuff in beakers and whatnot. Can you tell us, our listening audience, some of what it is that you do on like an everyday basis? Oh, every day is a, an adventure in itself. So, eventually, essentially, what
0: I am doing is, um, it, it, I could be running clinical trials where. Um, I have a finished product and I'm testing it on people to see skin reactions. I could be literally in the lab pouring stuff in beakers, mixing it to see if it's going to be consistent, if it's going to actually work, if it's going to be if it's going to have a self safe shelf life. If it has any mi- microbial activity happening in there, which is just m- microbacteria happening growing it, or anything like that. Um, I could be on phone calls having consultations with, um, you know, consumer brands, you know, talking about product development ideas or doing crisis prevention or um, basically consultants saying like, you know, you might want to go in this direction with this formulation or this product or this launch or whatever. So every day kind of like, or I could be on the phone with raw material suppliers and they're giving me presentations about their raw material and why I should use it and feature it in my next formula. So every day brings about a different change. Now, it depends on what field you're in in chemistry, right? So I work particularly in cosmetics, personal care, but you can be a food scientist where you're like literally working with a chef to make Mm -hmm. a particular ingredient that um, um, might appear in a Big Mac sauce. So I used to work for a food company when I first started. And, um, and when I was working in that company, I did QA science. So I was basically making sure that that particular, um, juice or vegetable blend actually worked. So basically when I was in, when I was working in the food industry, um, you know, I did QA chemistry. So I basically made sure that the product was being safely manufactured. So, you know, you can do stuff like that, or you could work in a research and development lab where you're actually developing or researching. Um, you know, like uh, like when we when we did uh, the COVID vaccination. So that's something you could do. You can also um, work in environmental, which is something that I did, where we tested waters and soils to make sure that you know major corporations wasn't dumping things in our water system that could possibly poison us or cause us harm. So. You know, it's a very it's it's a wide field. You can work in the oil industry or the uh, petroleum industry. You know, it's it's a lot of factors. You just have to find what you're passionate about if you decide to go into chemistry. But it's open. It's huge.
1: I love that. I love that. Um. So what any what advice would you give to anybody listening? Any young person who might be listening who wants to get into this field? Um. Uh, what advice would you give them? I
0: would say don't be afraid to be creative. Um. I think that, you know, if I think about, like, my experiences when I was working for other people, right? So I worked in three different industries before I landed here. And um, if I had have had the courage to start my own lab when I first had the idea back when I was 23, it's no telling where I would be right now, right? Hmm. And so don't be afraid to reach out and you know, ask, hey, can I intern? Can I ask a few questions? Can I um, sit down and, and have lunch with you or take go to coffee or whatever, right? Like, don't be afraid to to reach out to people. Like, you're going to get some rejection. Some people are not going to, um, you know, respond. But be, be specific. Like, know what you're looking to do. Like, even if you're confused about it, say, hey, I'm really passionate, but I'm not really sure what I want to do. But I just want to talk to somebody that looks like me. That sound like me, you know, so that I can see what it's like, because it's rough out here, Micah, like to be a black woman in STEM. It is rough. It is very, very rough. And what you'll see, you know, I can name off a bunch of people that black women that are out here literally starting their own labs, having to do it from scratch because we are being beat up in these laboratories. And we're we're doing the discoveries like, you know, when I worked for a food company um, years ago. I had made this discovery in the food company, right? And Uh they were paying me $13 an hour. This helped them, like this one discovery that I made. That's wild. Insane, right? They they this one discovery that I made helped them increase their production by 90%, right? So almost a hundred percent increase in production. They they had so much power now from that one discovery that I made that they were able to take on a third shift to keep things moving. Right. And they made millions. And they were able to sell their company and level up for millions. And they only paid me $13 an hour.
1: There's people working at and no shade to them, of course, but there's people working on like H and M who make that. Yes. Seriously. That's wild. No joke. No joke.
0: Without college degrees. Right. I'm a, I'm, I have a degree professional wow. degree Making $13 an hour That's
1: why So
0: it's like about You have to understand that you have worth You have value And not being afraid to, to maximize that Because you know I'm not saying I don't think that business Owning business is for everybody I don't believe that But you have to be confident enough to know Like look this is how much I know I'm worth I know what I bring to the table, and not only just be like I know my work, but actually like seriously know your work. Know know your know your flaws. Know what makes you good. Know what environments work well for you. You know, like you. I think that a lot of a lot of things that we're experiencing now is that people are trying to understand what environments actually they can thrive in. So if you're like you have this crazy boss that's like super irregular and that's coming in, throwing stuff, screaming and yelling. That's not a conducive environment for everybody, right? Some people okay. can just ignore it and keep going. But it may just be you just need to shift your job or go to another industry. You know, like maybe that's not it, but like you have to know what works for you and what you're willing to tolerate. And again, you need mentors. You know, people yeah. need to be able to, re- and the people that's in the industry now we have to have an open heart to open up to say, hey, I I may not be able to offer you a job, but what I can do is offer you some wisdom. Or I can, you know, maybe I can make a phone call. Maybe I know a sorority sister or frat brother or a professor or somebody that I can reach out to to see if they can help you in any kind of way. You know, like not not be afraid to reach back while still striving forward. And I think that that's like, that's going to be the thing that really kind of like breaks and shifts so much for all of us is when we learn to like reach forward, but still reach back. You can do both at the same time.
1: That's good. That's a sound bite. I'm definitely using that as a sound bite. <laughs> um, where can people find you? Where can people learn more about what it is that you do and follow you and all that good stuff?
0: Yeah. So um, on social media, I am your fave chemist. Mm-hmm. Um, Y-O-U-R-F-A-V-Chemist C-H-E-M-I-S-T On Twitter, Instagram That is me um, I have a podcast called Alien, The Alien Anita Show I talk business, I talk life on there Guys, I promise I'm going to record a podcast <laughs> So <laughs> um, uh, You can find me on uh, Facebook Alien Trewell. that's me um relevant is the website um you can email me at info at relevant if you want to chit chat with me or learn more about what i do work with me or whatever i'm there so are you on tiktok yet gosh yes i am your fave chemist on tiktok i listen it's it's been a lot it's been such an influx right now that i just right. was like okay I'm gonna get to it because I have a lot of content that I I really want to do because like after this whole debacle with Honey Pot Co, I'm like I don't ever want to see another black brand go through that ever in my life. again. Yeah. So I I'm like using my scientific expertise to really try to explain the chemistry that's happening within your jar so you can uh-huh. understand. So I'm ba- I'm pretty much you know um, putting myself as or making myself the consumer chemist, right? Yeah. Where the consumer. Will understand what happens in the lab and why. Hold we on do one a second,
1: Alexa, stop! I hate when Alexa just pops up. You know, Silver Room Black, Silver Room Black Party. I had bought tickets to the Black Party, and she was like, just a reminder, the Black Party. Oh, hey, she was reminding you. Yes. Oh. <laughs> but um, all right. So you were saying that you're the consumer's chemist.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm basically planting myself to be the consumer chemist, to to help the consumer understand the chemistry that's happening in their jar. And I really want people to know, like, when you see, first of all, everything is a chemical, water, air, you name it, it's a chemical. Everything is a chemical reaction. You know what I'm saying? So Uh um, chemistry is happening all around you. And so I want people to become familiar with certain things you know like you may not understand every single thing and then everything is not for you to understand but right. it's not okay for us to behave the way that we did towards Honey honeypot code with them or anybody else and i don't right. especially when we don't give that same energy to white brands right. and i'm not saying to give it to them but i'm just saying we don't give that kind of energy to them so i i want to make sure that we us we're educated and we understand that, um, you know, things are not always just because it's a long spelled out name doesn't mean it's going to be something that's going to cause you any harm. It's just a scientific
1: nomenclature. I love you said that because literally as we were talking today, um, there's a report came out about Skittles um, are on the fire because something that's one of the chemicals that they found being used is like damaging to our organs. What? So, I gotta check it out. Oh man, I haven't heard it. I gotta I'll see. I'll send you the link after. Um, okay. But yeah, but no, I actually like that. Um, I feel like definitely TikTok. I know for sure that'll be a place that you can kill. Um, yeah, because, I'm gonna get on. I'm gonna get on. Yeah. I've been tr- working with um, you know Edward Spates. Um mm-hmm. For those of you guys, you know Edward Space is also awesome my lawyer. lawyer, man. That's my lawyer too. So
0: yeah, he <laughs> negotiates my stuff, man. Yes. He his wife yeah, I've been use my taxes and
2: stuff.
1: I've been working with him, um, you know, getting him to do more content, especially on like with his reels and his TikTok, because like we need to be educated and. For sure. Over on TikTok, you can really I've learned some like crazy amount of stuff just following certain people over there. So like
0: Yeah, listen. I we need to collaborate. I need definitely some help. I need definitely. Help. we can
1: we can definitely talk about that. Um because I feel For like sure. you can do a lot.
0: Yeah, because you know, like I, I it's important to me to have the right kind of information, especially a lot of people be like, yeah, I'm a formulation chemist, I'm a blah 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 guru. And it's like okay. Yeah, lots All of right. information out here yeah it's a lot of misinformation but you know i my goal is just to really put good information out there to really help people and like you know collaborate with the next generation even collaborate with the current generation because it's so vitally important that we work together particularly in our communities to see the dollars circulate we need to see the education circulate we need to see the wisdom circulate and i think that Oh, on our end, if we start in my generation, I'm, I'll am i be 36 next month. And I think about like, if this generation, my generation starts showing and displaying on social media and things like that, us collaborating together, us respecting wisdom, us learning from each other, and then we can plant those seeds in the generation that's behind us, where it's not like a, I got to get it from my own self. And, and like, you know, my final point is like, I was kind of meditating on this idea of living a soft life, right? Because, you know, you've, I know you've probably seen memes like women are saying, like, I want to live the soft life, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think about, like, I was like, at first I was like saying, yeah, I want to live the soft life. I want to live the soft life. And I thought about what that actually meant. And it means to be vulnerable. It means to be vulnerable yeah. enough to say, I need help. Or vulnerable yeah. enough to say, I, I could use a mentor here. I'm not strong here. I'm weak. I'm actually weak in this area. And when me wanting to live the soft life, I want to live the soft life amongst my fellow sisters. That's kindest, you know, where we can all provide a soft life for each other. Like we got to go out here and be hard, you know. We got to be tough. Right. We got to be strong with our our um, our our standards and, and regulations and things like that. We got to be strong with our our customers and consumers, right? But we need to be soft with each other. Like, hey, Sid, you know, I'm I'm kind of I I took a hit here. That contract didn't come through. I'm kind of my, I'm in my feelings about it. You know what I'm saying? Like yes. be able to share that and be able to also share the wisdom and the knowledge along the side, along the lines to be able to help other people get to the next level. And that to me is vitally important. So I love that. I let's love that. live the soft life together, y'all. <laughs> the soft life. I like that.
1: Okay. Yeah. Last, last, last thing for you, right before we close out. Last question. This is something that I ask everybody. Um, as they uh what's the word as they you know come on the show five years from now okay five years mm-hmm. from now when we invite you back to the show we'll be in a studio audience somewhere maybe on our own network or on like a revolt tv or something right yeah um i hope diddy do something
0: with revolt i need him to take that to the next level
1: next level it's time for him to level i need up. him to
0: buy bt and turn it into
1: revolt tv i would like that mm-hmm. so five years from now when we invite you back where will you be five years from now
0: okay so i'm gonna be in a state of the art lab right and Mm -hmm. so what you're going to see me doing is funding uh black students to go to school uh, that's majoring in stem-based programs and you're going to see me with a network of engineers chemists medical doctors you name it right anybody that's stem-based i'm gonna have a whole network of them And they're going to like, I'm going to ask my, call my friends and tell them like, hey, I need you to mentor, be willing to mentor these students and coach them through this because we don't want our students committing suicide. We don't want them dropping out of school. You're going to see me start a fund and we put money in a pot to like fund people through school, even if we have to divvy it up. Like, let's say we got 10 students, right? And they're all in medical school. We're going to divvy up how much money we got to make sure they get through school, so they don't have to worry. Um, we're gonna, you're gonna see me on college campuses, passing out care bags during finals, and and like loving on the black students, praying with them if they pray, you know, if we believe in the same faith, and just giving them encouragement, offering tutoring, um, you know, just having smart girl meetups. You know, I, I read this book called "The Most Powerful Woman in the Room" is you. And she talked about like having meetups where you you get in a room full of women and you all have conversations. And so you're going to see that. like I call calling the smart girl meetups where you have college age students and professionals that's in the industry, regardless of what industry you're in. And we're going to sit down and we're going to have conversation. We're going to have good food, but we're going to have good conversations to propel you to the next level. And not only are we going to have good conversations, but we're going to have resources in hand to help you get to the next level as well.
1: Yo, I love every bit of that. I love every bit of that. Hey, Leon, I just want to thank you for stopping by today. This conversation has been one of my favorite interviews. Yeah, um, yeah, this has been you, good, man.
0: Can I get the audio? I want to put this on my podcast. This is going to be like,
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'll put up, I'll upload it and send you out the audio for sure. Okay, thanks. Um, so yeah, um and then you know, we'll go ahead and we'll make sure that we include all your handles, um the link to your podcast, all of that in the show notes and everything. So once again, thank you for stopping by no, to the Culture Holics. Thank you for listening. Um I'm committed to really bringing you more deeper conversations and interviews on these Tuesday episodes. So if you like this, just make sure that you go ahead and you leave a rating and a review and let us Five-star know. Five star rating, y'all. Five star rating, y'all. Thank you so much. Cause y'all be listening and y'all be inboxing me. And I appreciate the inboxes and telling me that you like it. But uh I need y'all to tell Apple, Spotify, Google that you like it so they can start pushing out this podcast to bigger audiences. All right. Portia will be back this Friday, y'all. And we got a lot to talk about because this week has been so crazy and so ghetto. But until next time, make sure that y'all continue to have the conversations. I'll see you next time we